Welcome to the Ducks on the Pond podcast. We are looking at episode eight. Uh, here with us again, we have Phil, Justin, and Charlie. What do you guys got going on this week? Anything new? Are we excited for spring training? How are we feeling about our teams going into spring training? I'm excited. I was watching uh, just Scherzer and Verlander pitching side by side. That was sweet. I like that. Better get I'm excited. That. It's going to be a big year for the Mets. How about you, Charlie? Yeah, got a first look at uh, Jose Abreu for the Astros. It's looking good. Uh, get used to him driving in some runs in Houston. You're going to see a lot of that. Yeah, got a, got a couple cold, cool news out of, I guess, uh, our catcher, Martin Maldonado, lost like 30 pounds and is healthy and looking good. So I'm hoping hoping for a big season from him. That's good yeah. stuff. Uh, cool. How about you? Anything on the Cardinals you're seeing? No, just watching some videos of Ozzy Smith down at spring training. So special guest down there. So just watching the players interact with him and him talking some defense. So looking forward to some of that. I did see some interesting stuff, uh, which I'm still not high on the Texas Rangers pitching staff, but I did see Greg Maddox was down there as a pitching consultant. So that gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, You're listening to Greg Maddox. Are you doing stuff that Greg Maddox says? I think you're in good shape. Uh, starting this week, we'll we'll start with Justin. Hopefully, he stays on topic this week. <laughs> go ahead, and give us your topic for this week. All right. First of all, let's congratulate all three of you guys for being on top of it last week and just bouncing back real hard with me switching up the topic on you guys. Um, but no, this week we're just. Uh, I saw this really cool article. It's like the one behind me. It's like, who would you keep out of these four, or who would you lose out of these four? I'm sorry. So you know, you got Judge. Buki, Soto, and uh, Acuna. Um, just kind of comparison, you know. Um, I, I I like most of the players on this list. Um, I'm not a huge fan on Judge, you know, being a Met. But uh, um, I got to say, I like to get rid of Soto here. Seriously, um, I would I would be okay with losing Soto more than any of the other ones, just because he's he's not a great he's not a great fielder. I mean, yeah, you could argue the DH that kind of eliminates that, but. I don't know. To, for me to be have like to be all in on a player, I need them to be completely rounded. I want them to be a great fielder. I want them to be a great hitter, that kind of thing. Now, Soto could arguably make up for everything with what he does with the bat easily. You know, he leads lead the league, league in walks, what three, four years in a row. The guy's insane. You know, his strike zone knowledge is crazy. Um, it's just. Yeah, just the whole fielding thing. Yeah, just, that just lets them go on me. Um, and you can say the same kind of the argument for Acuna. I know I'll let you guys talk about that, and then we can dive in a little bit more. But who you guys got, Charlie? Who you got on yours? Who are you letting go? Who's got to go out from that list? If you're uh, so for me, uh, Judge and Betts, and you can't can't get rid of either of those guys. Betts has played over a thousand games. Acuna has only played five hundred fourteen games. Um, in my opinion, if you just by going by games played, you have to keep Judge and Betts. And on top of that, uh, both Judge and Betts have an MVP. Um, in my opinion, pretty easy to keep those guys. I, I'll agree that I was I was looking between Acuna and Soto; those were my two to get rid of. Um, but I, I got to go with getting rid of Acuna. Um, Soto's played a hundred more games than Acuna. Um, also, like you were saying for walks. Soto has almost as many walks as Acuna has hits. Like the guy just gets on base, and I know, I get what you're saying about fielding, but like you said, I I wouldn't say his fielding's horrible. Um, I know it's not the best, but I mean, wh- he was a you know Gold Glove 
candidate supposedly this year. So, um, you know, I wouldn't say his defense is bad enough to get rid of him. Um, but yeah, and yeah, like I said, and just those couple things, I got to give it to give the edge to Soto, and I, I would take him. Bill, how are you feeling about this list? Who do you think uh, has got to go? You're starting up a team. Which one of these guys has got to go for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree with Charlie and a lot of what he said. You know, I, I look at, at Judge and, and Betts are the two I think that they can't go, right? Judge, after the season he had last year, um, you know, being the captain, the new captain of the Yankees and that massive contract, uh, I think he's going to play up. Right. He's going to play up to those things and, and he's going to want to show that he's worth what the Yankees paid. Um, Mookie Betts. Right. I mean, he's just a model of consistency. Like, like he's a key cog in the Dodgers organization. Um, you know, if they're successful, they're they're going to be more successful with Mookie Betts there than not. Um, you know, Soto, you know, yeah, he he struggled a bit last year. Um, definitely could have played better. You look at the lineup that he's in, the team that he's on. Uh, he got a one-year contract, so let's face it, he's playing for a big paycheck. Um, I, I just feel like Soto is going to have a, a strong year for the Padres this year. and I mean, that just kind of makes it odd man out. And I could say the same reasons for Acuna um, that everybody else is saying. I just really – my concern with him is the uh, injury. Right. Um, he still didn't look and still wasn't healthy last year. Um, he's been cleared to play in the World Baseball Classic. So, you know, hey, we'll see, you know, if he comes back strong in that and then has a strong season with the Braves. I mean, we could all, you know, look bad in this choice. But, you know, of those four, I, I definitely go uh, Cunha Jr.'s got to go. All right. Uh, if I'm building a team, I'm prioritizing health first and foremost. Uh, Mookie Betts has the best track record when it comes to staying on the field. He averages 124 games a season, and that's taking 2020 into consideration. So have with that what you will. Uh, if you're going to have a successful team, you want someone who's going to be on the field more than not, so Mookie's in for me. Uh, besides health, I want a player who can make the most impact. Without question, this is Aaron Judge. He has the highest OPS out of the four players. Um, and which tells me he's better, way better than the average player. Um, he also leads in slugging percentage and OPS. This guy's going to drive in runs. He's going to hit home runs. He's going to make an impact on any team he's on. And like Phil said, he's just flat out going to, I feel like he's going to live up to that contract. I believe he's going to be the leader in home runs again in the American league. Uh, he's not going to hit as many, but he's going to be up there. Uh, next I'm basing my decision on how often a player is on base. I also want someone who puts the ball into play and gives us a better chance of driving in runs and moving runners along. For me, this is Juan Soto. Not only does he average the most RBIs per season of this group, uh, he proved that he can knock in runs, which proved, which means he can knock in runs. He also has more walk, walks than strikeouts in his career. He also has the highest on base percentage in his career. Uh, so I want, I want him getting on base. I want him moving guys along. Uh, for me, again, Ronald Acuna Jr. is out of the four. Not saying he isn't a great player. We all know the impact he has on offense and defense when he is on the field. But comparing the stats of these four players, he just doesn't lead in, lead in any impactful stats, and he just kind of blends in. All the other guys led in a certain or particular stat that made them made them more appealing to me, while Acuna just kind of – I mean, he just floated around in the middle or was at the bottom when compared to the rest of the three uh, it's still he's he's in the beginning steps of his career. I mean, he's coming off an injury. So, I mean, there's still 
he's still going to have a successful career, but so if somebody's got to go, it's got to be him. So. Yeah, and, and and also too, I think I, all four have potential to have MVP seasons. You know, this coming up year, so, like even though I said Soto's out, you know, regardless, Soto's he's one of the best hitters in the game, if not the best hitter in the game. And like he's just so much fun to watch. I was just thinking more, you know, along the lines of you, just fun all around. You know, like Mookie get, he gives it his all on the field. Acuna gives his all on the field, just like how Rick said when he's on the field and he's healthy, he gives it 110%, you know, and just with Soto, he gets a little bit of an attitude. That's where that comes from. So one of the other things to think of, too, Justin's good to your right a little bit. Um, so what do you notice about these four teams that these guys are on, though, to, to prove that they're just as important? What do all four of these teams have in common, guys? Do we know? Do you know? Yeah, they're playoff teams. Yeah, that's why all these guys are, are vital to their teams being successful. I mean, heck, even a, uh, you could make the argument again for taking out Acuna Jr. They won in 2020 without him, or they got into the playoffs in 2020 without him. So, I mean, that's that's another argument in favor of eliminating mm-hmm. so him. So, not was it 2020 or 21? It was 2021. They they won without him. Sorry about that mistake, but yeah, he, 2021, they make it to the playoffs without him in that lineup. So that'd be another reason in favor of eliminating him over the other three. But yeah, all the players, every single one of those players is on a playoff team. So that tells you a lot about the impact. So any last words on this topic? No, it looks like we're pretty much in comparison besides Justin. Justin is the odd man out. Let's kick him out. Out, Justin. Finally, it's about time. At least you don't have to cut me this time. You're the weakest link. Uh, next one is my topic. We're gonna we're gonna go with with uh, spring training starting up. I want to know each of these guys' uh, biggest potential bust and biggest potential impact signing of the off season. You can do two things with this one. You can do it by who's going to be most impactful next year, or who's going to be a bust next year, or you could do it through their entirety of their contract. Who you thought maybe. Um, they gave too many years, too much money to, and one who you think is going to work out even with a longer contract. So you can go in many different directions with this topic. We'll start with Phil on this one. Sure. Well, I'll start with the biggest free agent bust, right? Um, with this one, I, I look at DeGrom. Uh, I feel like he's just got way too many injury issues. You know, the Rangers spent $185 million over five years. So, you know, my thing is, did the did the Mets dodge a bullet on this or did some other teams that were in contention? Right. So with spring training starting, um, you know, DeGrom's already been set back a couple of days because of tightness and they're holding him back as a precaution. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, his replacement in New York. Right. Verlander has had his issues with, um, you know, some injuries as well. But look at what Ver- Verlander did last year. Um, you know, DeGrom, I don't even know if he's ever pitched that many innings in a season. Uh, so, you know, by by contrast, you, you do have DeGrom, which are you worth, you know, potentially, I, I feel like the contract. But just with he hasn't even thrown a pitch yet in spring training and uh, he's already dealing with uh, with tightness. So that just doesn't look well for the for the Rangers. Um I did have a second choice. I'm just going to throw the name out there and we'll go. But uh, Carlos Rodon would be another one that I would be concerned with for the Yankees, you know, mainly because of, of his injury issues in the past, too. Right now, as far as 
the free agent signings that I think are going to help their team the most. I mean, to me, the, the Trey Turner jumps out, right? I, I feel like his skill set works well with the Phillies. Um, he's going to help a ton with Harper being out for the beginning of the season, right? He's got speed and defense that will be an important part to play in the Phillies lineup that they didn't necessarily have last year. So, and, and Turner's willing to do whatever it takes. They, he, he said, put me anywhere. I'll bat anywhere. I'll do anything. I just want to help the team, you know, win. So that's the the type of player I feel like the Phillies need to get back to that World Series contention that they were at last year. And then um, if I had a, a just a second choice for who, and again, I'm not going to go into it. I'm just going to say Dansby Swanson. You know, lots of love for the shortstops this year, but I just think his impact with the Cubs could be huge. Um, so be interest, interesting to see, and I was kind of looking forward to everybody else's thoughts. Yeah, I think those are both uh, solid, solid choices. Uh, I'm going to get probably a lot of crap for this, but I'm going to go Carlos Rodon uh, is going to be the biggest bust of the offseason signings. Because I think he he can, he has the potential for a great season with the Yankees, but six years for a starting pitcher with health issues in the $160 million range is just too much for me. Uh, Rodon is entering his 30s, and he has already undergone Tommy John surgery in 2019, and he had shoulder issues in both 20 and 21. Um, and although he had a career high of innings pitched of 178 in 2022, he also took some of the velo off his fastball uh, by the end of the season to get there. Uh, once, I mean, once you have so, shoulder issues, you're, you're just going to have more problems down the road. I don't feel like it's the kind of same thing with back that you're seeing with Kershaw. You just, once you have them, it just, they're going to keep coming, um, as you get older. So I, I don't have a lot of confidence that that contract's going to play out well. Um, I just hope, cause I think Rodon's comeback story was one of those feel good stories. Cause he's, he's a great guy and, he really persevered through all that stuff. So I'm very happy for him. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, it's hard as a business owner for me to say, Hey, I'm going to give you six years and have faith in a guy that, you know, either has to take something off of his fastball by the end of the year, or he can't stay healthy. Um, and then as for my most impactful signing, Justin, I like this one, I'm going to go with Justin Ver, or Justin Verlander to the Mets. Um, you get the reigning Cy Young award winner from the American League on a two-year deal to replace your ace who went to the American League West, who Phil said is often injured. Um, this guy's a workhorse to seem, that seems to get stronger as the year goes on. He's just a year removed from Tommy John surgery, and he wins 18 games and ends the season with, I believe, a 1.75 ERA. I mean, to me, that's unbelievable. Um, if it doesn't work out, too, for the Mets, he's, it's only on a two-year deal. So, I mean, they can literally cut ties pretty quickly. Uh, without having a long contract just lingering around where you're paying somebody uh, big dollars or having to offload some of that contract or finding somebody to um, on there. I think that was a great move. So how about you, Charlie? Yeah, I'll, I'll actually uh, – I'm kind of on the opposite side of Phil. I think that Dansby Swanson is, in my opinion, a bad contract. I think he had a uh, a breakout year for him last year, which was – a roughly average year for most players last year. I, you know, I don't think he's going, I don't think that contract is going to work out long-term. That's a long contract for Swanson who has had a mediocre career at best and quite a lot of money to put into a career 250 hitter. Um, uh, uh, one of the long-term contracts I don't think is going to work out. And this wasn't necessarily a free agent. I think this was an extension, but uh, Edwin Diaz for the Mets, 
they that's a whole lot of money for a reliever who has an inconsistent track record. Um, in 2021, he had a 3.5 ERA, and, and in 2019, he had a 5.59 ERA. I just don't, I, you know, the trumpets are cool, but it's not worth $102 million. Um, in terms of players that I think will think will do good, I think Josh Bell will have a good season next year. And on top of that, kind of like in a similar vein to what Rick was saying, it's only a two-year contract, so at worst, if he – you know, kind of fizzles out. You only have him on the hook for two years and only $33 million. Um, so I think that is a really good move for the Guardians. Um, kind of a surprising move. And Rick, you might uh, be able to weigh in on this a little bit more, but I like the Andrew Benintendi move. Um, five years for a guy who's 28, hit 300 last year for only $75 million. I think that I think that contract will work out pretty well long-term. So that's what I've got for mine. Yeah, as I've stated before, we get better in left field. I mean, you're getting a gold uh, glove caliber left fielder to replace Eloy Jimenez, who's best known for jumping into the netting in left field. So um, I really think he's an improvement. Yeah, White Sox don't give out big contracts. I mean, that's the biggest contract I believe that they've ever given out. So and they've had some quality players. They're just more known for they do kind of what the Astros do. But I mean, as we know, we we're not com- we can't compare them to the Astros. We're nowhere near where they're at at this point. But, I mean, they do the same thing. They try to get, like, uh, Luis Robert Jr. because he changed his name going into spring training now. He wants to be referred to as Luis Robert Jr. Um, You sign him to a team-friendly deal out early. I believe Eloy Jimenez. You get a lot of these guys on team-friendly extended contracts early. Um, I noticed the Astros do that very well. Um, It just, like I said, I I think that is a good move. It makes us better. I just feel like we had too many holes that we still needed to fill. But I I would agree with you. That is a a very good contract Um, and not a lot of risk involved when it comes to money-wise. Justin, how's your feelings on the uh, Edwin Diaz? Um, (laughs) I know you saw. I saw saw you see me twitch there. I saw that. Um, (laughs) Let's just say that's two years out of, what the eight years he's been in the league six seven something around there so uh i i i get it's a lot of money for a reliever but um just the just the season that he put up last year i think kind of settles that but also when you have the richest owner in baseball why not right doesn't really matter um then uh but the biggest bombs that i have um is uh the hurt jacob Degrom. um I think that's going to be real bad for, for Texas there. Um, But here's also the thing too. DeGrom could not be hurt. He just didn't want to pitch the other day. And that's what he'll say. Oh, I'm tight. You know, he, he's very into himself. Um, He doesn't, doesn't care too much about being part of a team. He wants to be left alone to pitch. And when he doesn't pitch, he wants to go home. He doesn't want to be in the field. He doesn't want to be at the stadium. Um. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he just didn't want to pitch. Uh, and that's just how that was. Um, and then I think the other one that's going to that's gonna fall apart on him is the Twins with Korea. I, I, you know, I think he goes down next year, even maybe this season. You know, I think he's going to get injured and then they're just going to be out. Like, I think that's just what's going to happen with him. Um, the biggest impacts that I have is Justin Verlander signing, of course. I think losing – like all the crap I just talked about DeGrom, but losing someone like DeGrom when he does pitch, you know, you have to fill that spot, especially in New York with him leaving. You've got to get another big namer in there because those New York fans will eat you alive, you know, for not re-signing. 
Um, and I think that's why they let a lot of that stuff come out about DeGrom is to soften that blow is I think New York needed that to let them go, to let him go. And then um, I also like the Bogarts deal with the Padres. That just solidifies them as a playoff team if, even more than they already were. Um, and to be able to steal them from Boston because the idiotic stuff that's going over there is hilarious. Um, it's just huge for the Padres. Um, but, yeah, that's where I'm at. I like the Bogarts deal short term, but long term, again, it's that same yeah. thing we've been talking about. His contracts mm-hmm. until he's 41 years old. That's true. That's true. <laughs> stop till he's 41 years old. At what point do you have to move him to DH? And, and at that point, you know, you're not getting the fielding that you were paying for. Um, you know, as bad as solid, but I think, you know, part of the reason you give him all that money is he's a really solid fielder. But if, if you don't have the, but if you don't have the fielding, you know you're paying you're paying money and only getting half of what you paid for. Yeah, it could be like a career situation too. You know, you're paying for him in the field, and then he gets hurt, and it's like, well, he can just hit now. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, but those contracts, those 10, 11, 12 year contracts, right? Those guys are getting paid up for the first half, right? For the first five or six years of that contract, they're just getting extended out so that it, it impacts the uh, luxury tax a little bit more, right? Because you you guys are a hundred percent. You're you're not paying a shortstop at, at age forty, you know, twenty five, thirty five million dollars. That's that's not what it is. But that's all really. While it's not front loaded, that's essentially what that dollar amount means. We're paying you more for the next five years, and then you're just going to get more money for the second half of that contract. So, yeah, I'd completely agree. I mean, we're just we're seeing a trend of these baseball teams basically paying out lots of money to these guys who are literally going to be in their forties at the end of the contract. So I believe I agree with every single thing that you guys are saying. I mean, they they have to be very front loaded because you're not going to get the production speed or any of the stuff, even the fielding at 40. I mean, you can have some anomalies with somebody, some guys playing until their forties and past their forties. Uh, but I just don't see it with 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 these guys that sign these long contracts because nobody gets faster as they get older. I mean that's common sense. You're not going to get quicker, um, unless you know whole other topic for discussion. But unless you're doing some steroids or some some other stuff, you might be. What if your name's Benjamin Button? Would would you get faster then? Well, when you're aging backwards, I would say yes, but absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um. Next topic, it looks like we're going to uh, fill for his topic. Yeah, you know, I wanted to talk a, a little, you know, we're getting closer and closer to uh, World Baseball Classic, right? And uh, Team USA has uh, had a couple things pop up, right? So they have um, lost a couple players and then, you know, already replaced one of them. So, you know, I just really wanted to see kind of what everyone's thoughts were around Team USA. I mean, I'm going to be the first one to say that, you know, I'm kind of suspicious, you know, of the team to begin with. You know, when they announced the rosters, I really felt like the starting pitching was thin and and uh, I'm going to say veteran. And hopefully everybody knows what I mean when I say veteran, right? Um I don't have questions around the offensive capabilities of the team, right? When you got Trout, Betts, Goldschmidt, Alonzo, you know, Arenado, Real Muto, Turner, there's 21 All-Stars and four MVPs on this team. Um, but with Nestor Cortez coming out because of a hamstring issue and now Kershaw's out because he can't insure himself, um, 
you add Kyle Freeland from Colorado, right? So you get one left-hander back into that rotation. But I mean, now your your top your primo starters, right? You got Wainwright, Lynn, and uh, Michaelis. So I mean, if this is a prelude to a, a Cardinals, um, you know, World Series victory this year with those pitchers, then sure, that sounds great. But um, I'm just kind of wondering what everybody else thinks now. Are 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 is Team USA still in contention? I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that they were the top pick, right? I feel like the Dominican still is that, but what do you guys think? Personally, I think the United States has a better lineup side by side than the Dominican Republic. It's not even it's without question. Um if you go position by position, the only the only one I could see uh, putting up an argument for is Alonzo Endeavors. I think that's the one that was most compared where people really didn't have an opinion one way or another, but every other position in the United States, I would say in my personal opinion, they, it, every position up until I think is Alonzo DHing, mm-hmm. I think they have the DH yeah. position, but every yeah, position, I believe they hold the advantage. It's just pitchers. Uh, now you're, you're very weak. You're going to have to outslug every team, which won't be a problem in the beginning rounds. But when you start hitting the Dominican Republic and in some of those other teams that can really pitch, they, you know, there's some people who can shut them down, even with all that star power in the lineup. Um, I mean, losing Cortez and Kershaw is just, it's a huge blow. Uh, I personally think uh, they will still be okay seeing as, you know, how they have that lineup. But the trend we're seeing with the WBC is that a lot of players who are on potential playoff teams are pulled out. It's just, they don't, they want to protect their investment. I mean, Cortez pulled out due to a hamstring hamstring injury, as Phil said. It makes all the sense in the world to take him out, especially with the news about Montas. You don't want Cortez going into the season hurt or you got more problems um, because it is a tough division. You have to start out strong and you don't want him further injuring that hamstring because then he could miss substantial time or it could cause him problems throughout the year. So I think Yankees did the right thing. I think they should rest him or maybe push him back because he's going to be a big part of your playoff run and you need him. And as far as Kershaw and that insurance policy, from what I had heard, the insurance policy failed to clear him. Um, according to the article from USA Today, his insurance company informed him and the Dodgers that they would not pay his contract if he was injured in the WBC. Uh, if you're the Dodgers, you already need him to stay healthy with the Padres right on your tail for the National League West. Um, the reason that this is a bigger issue is because of his history, history with the black problems. Um, you want him to take out you want to take out unnecessary innings that don't help your team get to the playoffs or win a title. Uh, we had the same discussion last year with the perfect game, pulling them out. The risk just does not outweigh the reward if you're the Dodgers. So um, that's my opinion on that. But I, I think personally, I think they're still going to go pretty far. It's just when they start hitting some of those tougher teams that have good pitching, um, it could be a dogfight. What do you think, Charlie? So I was looking at some of the pitchers we've got, and honestly, like I, I kind of understand the concern, but I think we've actually got some really – you know, I think we've got a few studs in there um, that people really aren't talking about. I think Brady Singer, um, I mean, he he posted a really, really solid season last year. He went 10-5 and five with a 3.23 ERA and a 1.14 whip. Um, Merrill Kelly went 13-8 and eight on the Diamondbacks last year, got 13 wins on that team, put up a 3.37 ERA and a 1.13 whip. Um, and then, like you were saying, uh, Miles Nicholas, uh put up a 3.29 ERA and a 1.03 whip. 
um, all all major league players um, for Team USA. You know, I you know I think I think in terms of pitching, I think people are maybe a little too afraid of that. Um, their bullpen is still really solid. They've got some really good pieces in their bullpen um, with Ryan Presley and a couple other big names. Um, and I was I was just looking at other other pitchers within their their pool. I mean, besides Mexico, really, nobody's got anybody pitching wise. Uh, UK, I, I didn't recognize a single pitcher from the UK. Colombia, the only pitcher I recognized that, that's active is Jose Quintana, um, and he he had a really solid year last year. But besides him, the only other name I recognized was uh, Julio Terahan, who hasn't pitched in the the majors since 2019. Um, and then Canada has a couple good pitchers. They have Cal, Cal Quintrill, um, who had a really solid year last year. And then Matt Brash, who Seattle is, is one of uh, Seattle's top prospects. Um, but uh, kind of like Rick said, I, I think really just, just the way that bracket is set up, um, the only team in either pools that they're in that are going to cause any trouble is the Dominican Republic, in my opinion. Um, because the even with that, you know those pitchers getting out of of uh, Team USA, I think that USA still has a better rotation than every other team except argue. I mean, besides the Dominican Republic, um, and like you said, Dominican Republic is just going to be pitching versus hitting. You know who's who's gonna you know Team USA bats can light up. Um, you know, get on fire. Then USA's got a chance. If not, I think the edge goes to Dominican because they've got the better pitching. Um, but in my opinion, the uh, the whole USA doesn't have a pitching staff is a little uh, little overplayed because, like I said, they've got they've got quite a few studs in there. the on, The only person over a four ERA was Kyle Freeland for um, who just who just joined the team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Kyle Freeland also plays for Colorado. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, Coors Field. So I'm not saying not making excuses, but he's going to have a higher ERA pitching. Yeah. He and his his WHIP was a little high too, but yeah, like you said, it wasn't it wasn't that much higher than everybody else's. So I don't know. I think I think USA pitching staff is going to be fine. Um, like I said, every every single one of their starting pitchers has major league experience, and that's not the case for a lot of the teams in this in this World Baseball Classic. Um, and that and that's again something that that uh, you know I, I just think it got a little overplayed just because they lost a few pitchers. Justin, your thoughts? Um, I kind of just agree with Charlie almost all around, you know, just because you lose like some that can be considered, you know, ace type worthy pitchers doesn't mean your pitching staff is bad just because they left, you know, um, it just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just think USA still competes like that lineup is too good not to compete. And then, yeah, if you got pitching staff that will is okay with giving up four or five runs that, you know, that lineup's going to easily put up five, four or five as well, you know, so um. But I always like, and then I just want to kind of throw a wild horse in there or, or a, you know, random team. I always like Team Japan, no matter what. You know, they always seem to know how to play baseball better than any other, <laughs> any other country. You know, they just, they're good at small ball. Yeah, they're, you know, they they play great small ball. You know, um, they're just, I just, I just think they're always one to look out for in any sport, too, at that matter. So, um, but yeah, mostly for the most part, I just agree almost exactly with Charlie saying going through 
everyone. Uh, the only one that I saw was Freeland that I could be questioned about, but you know, I didn't even think about Coors Field being a thing. So when he said that, I was like, okay, yeah, inflation. Okay, that makes sense, you know. Um, but I would I would have liked to see some some other pitchers come in, but I understand too, like a lot of them are on those playoff teams and they don't want to come in and pitch because they are afraid of getting hurt. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think Team USA does just fine. So. I think the only time too that you don't you don't you don't like want to hold off on or avoid having a player pull out of the WBC if it if we talked about this prior is if it severs mm-hmm. ties with your star player, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're in contract negotiations with that player. Um, on the flip side, you could also get injured in spring training or even performing non baseball activities. So I feel like pitchers have a greater risk of risk of pulling out of the WBC due to limitations on pitches and workload. Uh, for me, pitching in the WBC, in my opinion, would help them get much more prepared for the regular season uh, much faster and have them uh, prepared to start against major league hitters. That's just my thought is we just I feel like a lot of times we we see it more with pitchers than we do with hitters because I feel like hitters take a longer time or is it pitchers? Correct me. Which one takes longer in spring training? Usually the pitchers, like it'll take the pitchers a while to get warmed up and even into the start of the season. So you tend to see inflated offensive numbers in like uh, April. Right. And then as the pet, as the pitchers kind of get into the groove, then it's, they start to go down into May and through the summer. So, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So why would it hurt to get your pitchers out there and get them, get them ready with some, with some, uh, some major league talent. I don't see how that would be a problem and get them prepared to start out the season strong. I think we pay attention to too many innings limits and that type of stuff. But again, for another day, but I, I see the risk with, with Kershaw. You're not going to, you're not going to pitch him unnecessarily and have meet up all these innings with something that means nothing to the Dodgers. So. Well, and I think the, the cool thing, you know, when it comes to team USA is like everything that I, I see and read is, everybody on that team is excited to be playing with the players that are on the team. Right. So they're, they're really excited to represent USA. They're excited to play with these other, you know, phenomenal players from around major league baseball and they're excited to play against top talent. So I think that just speaks for how much the world baseball classic has grown. Right. Um, and, And then just how important it's become to the players and hopefully it'll continue to do that to the fans. But you know, I, w- I would definitely agree with with Justin. Um, while, while again, the Dominican because of their pitching, right, tends to be the odds-on favorite. I really think that uh, you know Japan has the pitching and the defense, so uh, I think they're going to be definitely a team to watch out for. You need to pay attention to Roki Sazaki. I'll keep saying that if you get mm-hmm. a chance to pitch. Uh... I mean, just this guy's this guy's gonna make it to the major leagues eventually, and just just sit back, relax, and strap him down. As I remember somebody once saying several times, if you're if you're a White Sox fan, you get it. But uh, yeah, he'll be fun to watch. That that team, Probably. Darvish, Darvish can also handle a major league lineup. So you are correct, Justin. We could see uh, them put up a good fight and go a long ways in the World Baseball Classic. Um, last topic, uh, best for last. Let's go with Charlie's topic. Sure. So, uh, the news just broke, I think this week about Manny Machado finally saying for sure he's going to opt out after this year. Um, I mean, it seems like he thinks there's more money to be made. I know Padres have already offered him a, an extension that would have him at 
his make his full contract 15 years 400 million dollars um but he already declined that offer um so i just kind of wanted to get your guys thoughts on players you know seems like recently there's been a trend of players you know more chasing money than than either team loyalty loyalty or even you know winning um and and just want to get your guys thoughts on that um, I know me personally, um, I've seen it, you know, a couple times, even just recently with the Astros, you know, Correa and Springer both leaving to get more money and missing out on chances to win more World Series championships. Um, and, and on top of that, staying with the, staying with the team that drafted you. Um, and it, you know, Correa, I think actually, um, some, there was some report that said he would have made more money with the Astros than, than what the Twins gave him. Um, after his most recent contract, if he had stayed with the Astros, he would have made more per year, but it would have been a shorter contract. Um, so just, just curious to see some of your guys' thoughts on that. Justin? Um, so I, I don't really like, uh, team loyalty all that much. Um, I know I'm in the weird aspect of that because I am, it's like a big business trying to tell you, like, that's just how I look at it. It's big business at that point. Um, So I'm okay with players chasing money. That doesn't bother me. If these, if these companies, quote unquote companies are willing to pay it, I'm okay. Like, that's fine. You know, whatever. If the player wants, you know, like Machado for some reason thinks he's worth 400 million at 10 years, this is the new contract that he's looking for, you know, all for that. Uh, but he's not worth that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's coming up on, he's got to be coming up on the end of his career. What is he? 32, 33, somewhere around there. I want to say, I believe I'd have to look up, but I believe he's in his late twenties. Yeah. So, I mean, so he, he would line up for another 10 year contract. Sure. But like at 40 mil, like what? I just don't understand that. I mean, yeah, he is a big part of that clubhouse. I know I sent a really gushy mushy text about Machado the other day in our group chat. Uh, you know, I think he has he has improved. He has become that leader in the clubhouse that teams need him to be, and he's lost a lot of the attitude. But at the same time, uh, with this contract, that that just kind of just it feels like it kind of proved me wrong a little bit. It shows a little bit more about his character. You know, um, I am okay with like I said, I'm okay with chasing money, but being unrealistic with who you are as a player it, that's that's the line for me. Um, and yeah, like I said, Machado's that presence in the clubhouse, but it, Jesus, at $400 million, that's crazy to me. There's no way in hell I would give him more than Bryce Harper. No way. And then, like, that just doesn't make any sense to to me. And, I, I, yeah, it just blows my mind when I read that. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. (laughs) Bill? Well, I I guess, first off, I would just kind of, you know, jump on what Justin said, right? So, he doesn't like Soto because of how poorly he plays defense. But, um, you know, with Machado, we're talking a top-tier defensive player, right? A top-tier offensive player on a, on a World Series contending team. So a, a team that is spending how much money have the Padres spent? I mean, not, not nearly the amount that the Mets have spent. Pretty damn, pretty damn close. <laughs> close to it. You're, you're yeah. right. You're right. And it, so, are you telling me that if next season, you know, the Mets offered him 400 million, you wouldn't be stoked to have Machado on the Mets? Did I did not say that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I didn't say you said that. I just would you? Yeah. I mean, would no, you? No. Would you be all no, for no. that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Anybody, you know, if, I, th- right. I feel like if any team would be jumping all over that, any fan would be happy to have Machado, in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. So I, I also agree. I think with, you know, free agency, you know, you, you don't really that, um, you know, team loyalty has been gone for a long time. Like these players have been chasing the dollar. And I mean, rightfully so. If If they are game changing players, they're going to earn these massive contracts and the teams that are willing to fork out the money are, are going to do it. So I just, I, I kind of get where Machado's coming from. Right. Cause again, if you talk about team loyalty, well, well, shouldn't his loyalty be with the Orioles, not with the Padres. Right. So he already, you know, went and took the money from the Padres, but now he's seen players that aren't up to his caliber, at least according to him, right. That are making as much, if not more than, than he's making. And he wants to be that top tier player. And if the Padres are going to go out and give, you know, Darvish 108 million and Bogarts 280 million and Soto $23 million for a year. And, you know, Tatis Jr. is getting paid $340 million over 14 years. Then I, I, I think that he kind of got shortchanged by the Padres and they're only willing, willing to give him that five year, $105 million extension. So I, I'm all for it. I mean, go out there, test the market. The Padres could come back and, and you know, meet his demands. But from what I read right now, um, you know, they're, they're not close to um, being on the same page. So uh, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think he should go and find out what he's worth. Let's not forget if he signs that extension, it's going to bring his current contract, which credit to Charlie for pointing this out. Um, I think yesterday when we were talking, it'll be a 15 year, $450 million deal. If he signs that extension, which would put him about 30 million a season, which I still think is quite a bit of money. Um, also extend him until he's 41. Yeah. till he's 41. Um, you also have, I mean, it's the Padres first offer. So I'm sure there'll be more negotiating, just not during the season because he said he's not going to do it during the season. Uh, but I still think conversation is going to go on regardless. It's just something that I believe players say to take the take the spotlight or the pressure off of the situation. So I believe there'll still be there'll still be talks there regardless. Um, I I personally think, like I said, he's trying to get more money out of the Padres, which who wouldn't? Um, if the Padres are in all in on a Otani, I don't believe you can sign both because I don't think that they have the 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 mindset of the Mets they'll just spend whatever I think there's limitations to what the Padres will do and I think if they're all in on Otani I don't think that you're going to be able to sign Machado to what he wants um if that's the case I say then you would just let Machado sign with another club and I think I think Machado personally I mean the from what I've seen over him over the years he's going to choose money over a championship um and but I do have a but, and this is a big one. I think he signs if he signs with another team, he's still going to go to a playoff contender. I think he's going to go to either New York team, which is going to be the Mets or the Yankees, because both have glaring holes at third base that they need uh, bigger production out of if they're if they're going to win a championship. Um, either way, I think that Machado is in a good position. I mean, San Diego, he stays with San Diego and gets paid and. And, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. They have a really solid team or he opts out and gets the money and goes to another playoff team in 2023. Either way, I think he's going to get paid. 
um, regardless. And I think, you know, he's going to go to one of those teams. The only issue I have is if you're a team, you have to be wary because as you guys said, or maybe Justin said it, he doesn't have a great attitude. Um, I know it's changed a little bit over the years, but some, some, uh, some of the players out there and coaches, he, I just think he, you're going to butt heads with them. He's not known as a leader. You're not going to bring him in to be the leader of your team. I think he, he, the best fit is with people with teams with already a proven leader on that team. I don't think you bring him in to be that guy. I think he just, he's got to be in the background doing his own thing. Um, one prime example, because I know the main topic, we kind of get off of the main topic as we talk about Machado, but the, um, one prime example of choosing loyalty over money and this changed, but Abreu signed a three-year deal in 2020 to stay with Chicago. He wanted to end his year with Chicago or end his career with Chicago. So he signs that extension in 2020 with an average salary of about 16 million. Unfortunately, the White Sox failed to make the postseason in 2022, and then they offer him a lower contract. So if you're a Brayu, I mean, obviously you're going to take the money, and obviously the Astros are sitting off way better than the White Sox right now. The White Sox are one season away from not contending and starting up a rebuild again. But the Astros, if they don't win this year, they're still going to be in contention next year and the following year. So if you're a Brayu and they're offering you more money to go to a team who has the potential to go on a run or a dynasty at this point, wouldn't you choose it? I mean, at that point, it isn't loyalty. You're making money and you're going to a um, a powerhouse. I mean, you, you, there, there'd be no reason you'd be silly not to. So, I mean, it's all... Eventually, it boils down to you're not going to take less money for loyalty. You see that very rarely. I mean, the only time I can think about that off the top of my head is Tom Brady taking less money to have better tools around him. And that's football, not baseball to win rings, you know, and you don't, you just don't see it that often anymore. Yeah. I mean, I look at some of my favorite players like Mike Trout, Mike Trout stayed in California, be on a bad, bad angels team. Um, but he's loyal to that team. You look at uh, Joe Maurer, Joe Maurer stayed on that pretty bad twins team for a long time. Because he was loyal to Minnesota, he's from Minnesota. Um, you even look at somebody like Derek Jeter staying with the Yankees for all that time. I know they were a good team, but but still he stuck with them and probably could have made more money somewhere else. Um, I don't know. Just when you to me, when you look at some of the some of my favorite players, they're 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 guys that stay that stuck with their team. I know Jose Altuve actually just just the other day said he wants to retire in Astro. Um, again, obviously it's a good team, but. You know, he, he's not, you know, he's not looking for that money. He wants to stay with that team and, and win. And I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. I think winning is important to, to a lot of these guys. Um, and to, to me, when, you know, when you're, when you're on a winning team and then choose like Machado is and then say, Oh, maybe I'll go to a different team. It's like, well, you know, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you stay with the team you're on now? You have a very good chance to win. Yeah, and it's no pocket change. That's a lot of money. I just think yeah. players um, look at other players and then they almost think they're being disrespected by not making as much money. They think that just because somebody makes more money than them, that people consider them to be a better ball player and they almost take offense to it. So, but yeah. um, I mean, the thing, only thing I would say to counteract your argument a little bit is I don't care how loyal you are, your main goal should be to win a championship. Because you don't play baseball for the participation trophy. You play it to win. The main goal is to win. 
So I get what you're saying about Trout, and I get, but personally, I think by the end of that contract, he's got a. I mean, it was just, it's such a long contract. I hope that the Angels at one point Trout would go to the Angels and be like, just please let me out of this contract. Um, you know, to go to a contender so I can end my career because I the Angels are going to have to probably go through a rebuild if they don't compete. I don't know if they will. I mean, time will tell, but. With his back problems, who knows if he's going to make it that long. And personally, just personally, I want to see him win a ring. You know what I mean? Just he's a, he's, he just, he did a lot for the game. It's going to be hard. And there is a lot of players in sports who are great who don't win rings, but I just, I think it'd be great to see him win a ring. Um, yeah. And say also, too, I just thought about it, you know, what we've kind of seen with, we go with the whole loyalty. I think these organizations, yeah, giving out 10 million contracts, obviously that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty loyal. But um, just recently Burns, Corbin Burns with his arbitration hearing, they blamed them not making the playoffs on him. That's insane. Like, like they literally said that in the courtroom with him standing right there. Like, that's absolutely insane. Like, you have one of the best pitchers in baseball right right now, and you're going to look him in the face and tell him he didn't make the playoffs. Like, he's the reason why. That's 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 nuts. And then the other one, before we knew about the whole agent situation, Freddie Freeman was a big deal. You know, Atlanta, yeah, they did rebuttal, but it took longer for them to come back. They should have been in contact with Freddie directly. Like, with how long that – that guy went through some bad team bad – the Braves team like he stood in the in their corner for 10 years before he even got to a postseason it felt like you know and then for them to just I think what I don't know what exactly happened with the agent thing I don't know if they offered him less money and then the Dodgers were like more money and then the guy was like I'm not going to tell you Freddie you know I want more money that too but the Braves should have I think should have fought a lot harder from Freeman and then just to trade all of a sudden and then he finds out through the media like that's that's insulting. Like I just I don't I don't agree with that. I, I don't like I don't like companies like that. That's businesses. That's just insulting to the players and to the fans and to everyone involved. So that's where I'm at with that. <laughs> what do you think, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, I will agree. Um, but again, I think that was a little messier because I think like there like there was something with I know there was something with the agent where Atlanta had offered him a contract. It wasn't as much, but it was, it sounded like Freeman was, you know, the money wasn't necessarily a huge um, or as big of a factor. If, if they were willing to give him something comparable, he would have stayed. Yeah. Um, but so that, I think that was a, a little bit of a messier situation um, because I mean, when he, when he returned, I know he was really upset when he went back to Atlanta, because I think, I think that was the story is he had talked to That's somebody found, within yeah. the organization who was like, man, you know, I'm sorry, we couldn't offer you more. Um, and then he was like, what, what do you, what do you mean? And then, and then that's how he found out or something like that. That was, that was the story. That was That's going. the gist of it. Yeah. I don't think like I, said, I mean, it, it, it was a little bit crappy of a situation, but you know, before the agent stuff came out, you know, just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it was just a messy, like you said, a messy situation, but the burn stuff, that's the that's the main one there. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> I don't think the the uh, agent was as upfront and honest with him about what was going on, and I think that's what kind of altered that relationship. I felt like he potentially could have gotten more, but I felt like he he was like laser focused on you know what I mean, just the money. Yeah. In L.A. and Freddie yeah. 
main goal was to try to stay with Atlanta, which like yep. you said, you have loyalty. Yeah. So. All right. Did everyone get an answer to that one? Since I seem to forget weekly as I get older. <laughs> it is. Uh, no, everyone get <laughs> any last thoughts? Uh, we got some ideas uh, that we might start going off next week and doing uh, potential information from our teams. I mean, we're also going to have other stuff, but I would like, I think next week we do reports on our teams. I think that'll be kind mm-hmm. of fun at a different element. Yeah, I think I think the idea was everybody's got a division. They're going to go through every team in their division, give a little report on what's going on. Yeah, um, and then a couple of us are going to tag team a division. Talk nice. about yeah, because who do Wait, we uh, got? So we got the start we, next week, right? We got the AL and NL Central, and then we got the East. So we're missing the West in the National League and the East in the American League. But what's what'll be fun is we eventually we can start bringing in some of these other content creators as a fifth member, you know what I mean? To, to go over some of these divisions. Cause I know we do have some fans on the East and West coast who I can bring in that we can kind of start looking at, but yeah, coming up, we're, we're going to start uh, doing our divisions and um, we'll probably throw out there. Like you said, there's two extra, so we could probably partner up for, for the two. I say we do Justin and Phil can do the, the national league is it the West? Yep, the National League West. Mm-hmm. You guys will be in charge of your extra one combining on the West. And Charlie and I will do the American League East. And that's Sounds how good. you do your division plus that every week. And then we'll go over thoughts, news, uh, projections, rumors, everything out there going forward. And that's how most of these podcasts will go. If we get some huge news, it'll be either a separate podcast during the week or we'll have a separate discussion during our talks on Sundays. So it'll be pretty exciting and I'm ready for, I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for some baseball uh, I mean, in about a week with, yeah. um, we'll start doing our, uh, another thing that we're going to be doing coming up once baseball season actually starts, we'll have friendly bets. So we'll see how that goes. If we do it for money or if we do it for Phil to wear a white Sox hat. <laughs> yeah, podcast. So we'll, we'll do fun little bets. It'll make it interesting to get people, um, active in the chat and and following along. So, any last as long as the bills not as long as your normal hats, Rick. I, I could be persuaded. Yeah, you know, I've got the grounds lost one in the mail for you because that is the potentially biggest build hat I've ever had, and I think everyone remembers me for that when I started out on TikTok. So, but all they all let bills, him know. All my bills do not add up to all of Charlie's bills on all of his hats. So, <laughs> I think we all know that. <laughs> All right, any last words before I close it up this week? I just wanted um, to say um, RIP, right? So, you know, we lost a uh, um, fantastic, you know, Major League Baseball presence in Tim McCarver. Obviously, me being a, a Cardinals fan, he, he's meant a lot to me over the years. I never got to see him play baseball, of course, but won two World Series with St. Louis and played in a third one, but um, you know, he was kind of the, one of the voices of my generation, right? So as, as growing up watching baseball in the 80s and the 90s, um, Jack Buck and Tim McCarver were my two guys, right? One was local and one was national. And sometimes they both went national and sometimes they both went local. So, um, you know, just sad to see, you know, just the passing of somebody that meant so much to baseball. And, um, you know, I know he's got a partnership with lots of other teams, so he's not just a, a Cardinals favorite, Um you know, he he's a favorite of a lot of different fans out there. So, yeah, that was kind of sad to see this week. 
one of the other things people forget is that both Bob Gibson and Steve Carlton, he was their personal catcher, and they are two really good Hall of Fame pitchers. So that tells you a lot about the kind of player he was. He wasn't flashy. He didn't have the huge numbers. But, I mean, when you're the personal catcher of two Hall of Famers, I mean, that's that's pretty amazing in itself. Let's not forget that he also uh, made the prediction of the 2001 World Series in Luis Gonzalez's broken bat uh, broken bat single in short center field. Yeah. He called it. He, I mean, he called it. He knew the game. He analyzed the game well. And, again, as he grew up, you know, that he's he's still from my generation. He did so many all-star games and World Series. And I think it's a, a really a tragic loss for the baseball community. Is He will always be remembered. So, and we're losing quite a bit. I mean, Vince Scully and, and now Tim McCarver. I mean, a lot of the old voices of baseball that uh, – brought us through some great times are 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 gone so that that's very very sad good good topic phil to close it out on so all right everybody anybody last last words are we gonna yeah leave? um i'll end on something a little sorry Trey, i'll end on something a little happier uh for all you mets fans out there that watch sny don't worry keith hernandez is back in the booth we got his ex- contract extended we're excited that's what I'll, that's what i'll sign off with <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. does that contract include elaine bennis and will he have to quit smoking? No, he can do anything he wants, even the stuff he did on the field. Um, oh, and then God. the other one is oh. what I was talking about playing a great first base. Okay, what are you guys talking about? Um, and then the other thing, uh, yeah, he's just back, and I'm excited. I'm happy he's back. <laughs> All right. Oh, and the other thing is the stamp of approval for his uh, for his uh, er- errors for Bohm. That's that's what I'm excited about seeing again. <laughs> Let's get ready uh, next week. Like I said, we'll have our thoughts on the divisions, and uh, maybe we'll. I think have Charlie had something. Oh, I just they, they got to buy some extra camera lenses for him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he'll break them. He'll break them for this panel. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we're good. We're hitting that hour mark. I appreciate you guys actually bringing some extra topics. That that's an always fun way to end it. Sorry we couldn't end it on yours, Phil. I thought that would have been bittersweet, but I'll pretend. Oh, it's all good. So look forward to seeing everyone next week. We'll have our uh, we'll have our divisional news and information for you. So uh, see you guys next week. See ya. See ya.